On today's special episode, we dive deep into what it takes to balance peace and war. As warriors, we are constantly striving for this balance in our lives. Today's special guest is former Navy SEAL Rich Graham, who is the founder of Full Warrior Spectrum. As a Navy SEAL, Rich learned to balance his life much deeper than the average man. Rich is a straight shooter, and he believes that all warriors are servants to a higher power. Their requirement to apply violence during a life-threatening situation is as important to love and help others. Join us and uncover how to balance your life by using strategies and philosophies that embody the way of the warrior. Stand by. My brothers, welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Conde, and I am your host. I have an awesome episode in store for you, man. Rich, this guy, he exemplifies what living the warrior lifestyle is all about. And this is what this show is all about. Before we get started, I want to say thank you for stepping up and leaving reviews. It has been really good here over the last couple of weeks. We've had a ton of new reviews. You stepped up and you've definitely made a difference here. However, if you are the few that are sitting in the gate and not ready to open that, do me a favor. Open the fucking gate. Go there. Leave us a review. It means a lot to us. We bring you this badass content week in and week out at absolutely no charge to you, man. And I got to tell you something. I love doing it. I love helping you guys out and setting you walking in the warrior's path. This is what this show is all about. And we are kicking some royal ass, guys. I got to tell you, I am very impressed the way this podcast has been trending big time. All right. The brotherhood continues to grow. And guess what? I am coming to you live. Yes, sir. From the new man of war studio. Realistically, it's just a shell. (laughs) We just finished painting it. It's looking great though. I got to tell you. So we are coming along and I'm super excited, especially over the next couple of weeks, bringing you a new YouTube channel. Also Vimeo in the house. And we're going to take this man of war movement to the next level. No doubt about it. I'm going to keep you informed and let you know when we're going to release it out there so you can go and give us a follow and subscribe so you can get these videos delivered to your inbox, man, every week. This is awesome. All right, listen up. I have been posting strong on Instagram. Give me a follow at man of war with two R's. Also, don't forget to join the Warrior Development Academy, two weeks for free right now. Join hundreds of warrior-minded men right now that are transforming their lives as we speak. I'm going to start showing you the emails, and I'm going to start interacting with you a little bit more on the YouTube page so you can see what we are all about. Also, get your free manual, your free warrior book at forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. Whip out your pens and get ready. This is a badass episode. Let's jump right into it. Rich Graham, welcome to the Man of War podcast, brother. It is an honor to have you on. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, man. Hey, listen, we were talking before the show, and uh, you are definitely a guy that has so much to offer in this show, and I want to start right off the bat. Can you introduce yourself for our audience? 
Yeah, uh, my name's Rich Graham, uh, as you stated, and uh, veteran Navy SEAL, and uh, currently a firearms and uh, special tactics instructor for law enforcement and um, and civilians, uh, along with uh, running a couple charities. One being a charity that does service dogs for special forces families, active duty special forces families. Uh, provide service dogs for them, and then family home protection dogs. Uh, they double as for um, for the wife and children for when they're on deployment, um, among a handful of other things. So, awesome, man, awesome. So, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you got into starting this company when you left the SEALs. So, when I left the SEALs, I was it, it happened abruptly. Uh, it was due to a medical condition. I wasn't planning on leaving, and um, I kind of just came back out into the into the regular world and I was like dude what do I do so while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a job and all that I I started personal training and was a martial arts instructor for Thai boxing and um and through that process a, a lot of the clients were interested in firearms training based on my background started working with some of the local police departments by request to come out and you know critique their training and then it started turning into me working with them and and providing training for the sniper teams and the SWAT teams. And from there, the firearm side of what I was doing gained more traction. And uh, essentially over the years, I uh, basically became a, a full-time firearms and combatives coach and uh, travel around the country to Brazil and Europe and things like that. Been down to Haiti to work with different groups in those areas. And um, through the process of this and working with these clients, I started a program called the Full Spectrum Warrior. And uh, this is essentially everyone wants to run and gun and be, you know, avid shooters. <clears throat> and when we start working with them and they try to get them to the levels that they want to shoot at, they very quickly learn through our program that um, shooting is a luxury. You know what I mean? So uh, the first thing we need to do is learn how to do combatives and self-defense to support our shooting. Right. And then we support our uh, combatives with strength training. We support our strength training with range of motion and mobility, and then we support that with health. And then we have a leadership program that goes with it. But basically, to build a well-rounded, fully functional, um, you know, warrior mindset and and capabilities. So I know it's a, it's a lot to, uh, to. No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I mean, tell me what I what I want to hear here Rich and this is a comment kind of important because for the most part I I'm 100% in agreement with you and I've been teaching this for fucking like what 15 years now you got to know how to yeah. fight right you got to you have to learn combatives and a lot of guys and yeah. and, I, and I will call out a shitload of instructors that they constantly just hone shooting hone shooting you know marksmanship yeah. skills tactical skills but when it comes to fighting when it comes to actually being prepared to fucking take on a bad guy with your hands and then have to transition into a gun. You don't see that that often, man. Very, f you know, few and far between. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts are is you hear the, the gun advocates saying, <clears throat> I left my gun on the front porch for two weeks and it didn't shoot anybody. And I'm like, that is a true statement, but that's a, that's a two way street statement. So the gun is a piece of equipment the weapon is the person. So I don't care if it's a gun, if it's a freaking hammer or, um, you know, a knife, if I have a carabiner using them as brass knuckles, like 
it doesn't matter. I'm I'm the weapon. I'm the improviser. Like the the human isn't the number one predator because it has guns. The human has been the number one predator because it thinks of ways to to fight and to increase their odds of success through organizing or creating tools so that they can do so. Otherwise, you know, the people in Africa would never be able to take down a lion, the tribal people, with, with their hands or, or whatever. You know, they use spears or whatever they have to do. Now we have guns or whatever. But the, the firearm itself, in my opinion, is a luxury. So the first thing and foremost is that yep. you need to be a warrior at your core at your at your foundation and then you can build up skill sets for implementing certain tools Agreed. that can um you know make your job easier or make success rate higher based on the capability of a piece of equipment awesome awesome my take on it is you hear a lot of people from the second amendment advocates and gun advocates saying that you know i left if i leave my gun on the porch for 2 weeks Everyone can walk by the house and the gun doesn't shoot anybody. The gun doesn't go off. Um, the person is responsible for shooting, not not the gun. And I agree with that, but that works both ways. So we can't have it that way and not take on the responsibility of yeah. I'm the one who controls the gun. The gun is just simply a tool. So I'm the warrior at, at, the, at the core level of it. And all that is is a piece of equipment that amplifies my ability to engage a threat from a distance, you know, and, and people, humans are the number one predators and we've been the number one predators and hunters for a long time, not just since the invention of the gun, you know, uh, the, the tribal people running around in Africa, taking down lions and water buffalo and all that stuff. They never, they never had guns. A lot of them, you know, maybe some of them totally. still don't, but Yep. They didn't do that because they had the gun. They did that because they were they were thinkers, and they go, "How can I create a weapon that can in, uh, increase sure. my odds of survival and increase my effectiveness?" And they came up with spears and and uh, machetes and and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and one of the things I think oh. happens with this is a lot of the guys come out of the totally. military, and when we look at a combative standpoint, in the military we learn combatives, but. It's not really pushed very heavily because a lot of times our threat is maybe 300 yards away or a half a mile away. We're shooting across a valley and some of the guys are doing, you know, close quarter combat, but a lot of the weaponry is through missiles and bomb strikes and all that kind of stuff. So a very, very small percentage of the military ever gets very, like very um, close proximity to the threat. Now, if we go into a civilian, um, Sure. If we go into the civilian, you know, space or working with law enforcement, the encounters are much closer proximity. If someone's going to rob me, they want to take something. If someone's trying to kill me in a war zone, they don't care how close mm. they get to me. They want to kill me without getting killed. But if someone's going to rob me or someone's going to rape my wife or someone's going to, you know, do any of those kind of things, they need to be right next to me. They need to get in proximity with me to either take what they want or impose their will, right? So the, the type of encounter, a lot of the guys coming out of the military, Absolutely. they have great intentions. I just don't necessarily agree 100% with, with the thought process on it of taking what they learned in the military and trying to translate that as to that is, um, 
you know, relevant exactly to what the civilian population is facing or the law enforcement population is facing. Yeah, they're two different. They're two different Dude, conflicts. Dude, that, that is so strong. And we confuse what you just them. Said. We have to take I, what I'm we learn from the it. military and go. Totally, how does that yep. apply to my yep. current uh, environment? And it doesn't translate 100%. We need to transition it. We need to transition our thinking um, because the threat is different and the and the conflict space is different. Absolutely. And I wrote an article a couple of days ago regarding an active shooter because you know we were getting and and listen, believe me when I tell you. I mean, I'm all for vets, and anyone that knows me, I am 100% for hiring vets all the time if we can, okay? However, when they just start saying, hey, well, let's get a veteran uh, in these schools to protect the schools, you know, with their guns or whatever, you know, I wrote an article saying, listen, the mentality in the military, typically, even in the worst, even in the lightest case scenario, it's all about small unit tactics, right? I mean, very rarely is it a one man up, right? Very rarely. I mean, do you have that guy, one dude fucking going into an active shooter situation? All right. So the the reality is you got teammates, right? You got guys that you move with just like a SWAT team, right? Just like any type of crisis management team that's going out there to try to stop the threat. So you know, when you say that is very interesting because I see a lot of guys from the military come out and then all of a sudden say, hey, I'm going to be an instructor in combatives. I'm going to be an instructor in firearms. And immediately, because they have that weight of the military, you know, all of a sudden they start a company. But in reality, you know, you start seeing what they're teaching and it's just not blending for civilians. It's not. I mean, I've seen it a hundred times over. So what's your take on that? Uh, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. And I'm not trying. I don't want to put down other instructors. They can run their courses however they want. I'm going to run mine how I want. But when I I have people who come to me and they go, hey, man, you know, you're a Navy SEAL. I want to train with you because you're a Navy SEAL and I want to learn this and that. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I can I call them I call them boner courses. Right. We can just run a course (laughs) that's super hardcore and really cool. And we're going to shoot 2000 rounds in a weekend. And you leave and you're like, that was so exciting, but it's not, it doesn't translate into what the client actually needs. If they want to just have a fun experience, cool. we can line it up like that. But what I really enjoy teaching is, and I enjoy the challenge of going, okay, like I was saying, this is what I learned in the military, but it, it doesn't apply to you. So when people come to me and they want to do Navy SEAL style training, I'm like, well, what is your purpose for wanting to do that? Because we're like, I want to learn how to protect my family. And this and I'm like, okay, well, you don't need to do Navy SEAL training to do that because unless you have 16 other guys who are fully kitted up, who are running IR lasers and running on night vision and calling um, airstrikes and all this kind of stuff, what we do in the SEAL teams is completely irrelevant to what you need because you don't have the equipment, you don't have the resources, you don't have the team members, right? You don't have the medical uh, capacity to to sustain the you know the conflict if something goes wrong right the communications like you don't have all that stuff sure. so the tactics and everything that we're doing is completely irrelevant to the everyday person from a family home protection standpoint and for them to learn their you know firearms stuff but now we can take that I, I can come back and take that knowledge Hey guys, just a quick break in the action here. I want to encourage you to step up and go watch 
the new warrior documentary at forgingawarrior.com forward slash warrior film. Let's get back to the show. And then essentially go, I'm going to modify this and I'm going to pull out the bits and pieces and we're going to, we're going to restructure this so that makes sense. If I have to fight as an individual with limited resources, maybe one magazine, maybe two magazines, maybe I have a flashlight. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm with my wife and she has her gun also. Maybe maybe I'm by myself. I don't know. I don't know when the attack's going to happen and what the context is going to be. And if I'm going to be wearing freaking sandals when it happens, you know, I'm going to be in the middle of sitting on the toilet in the, in the movie theater, you know, totally caught off guard. Or if I'm going to be in a position where I see it coming and I'm like, Oh, I see what these guys are up to and I'm ready for it, you know? So to, to come out and just to run a military style course, although it's very fun and it can be a very enjoyable experience um, from the standpoint of this is what the everyday person needs to know. I don't necessarily agree that it completely translates, um, you know, I don't think it just translates from one to the other. Like, hey, dude, well, this is what we're going to do in the military, sure. so this is what you need to do. Because other, right. if it wasn't so, good enough for the military, it, you know, if it's good enough for the military, it should be good enough for you. And I hear that a lot of times, too, in just the way we run our courses and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, just because cool. the military taught it like that doesn't mean it's the best tactic. That's the best tactic mm-hmm. or that's the best technique for we have 3,000 people to put through this training in the next, you know, 60 days. So it needs to be the most streamlined, dumbed down. Uh, and I say that with all of respect for our guys in the military, but like the context of it is everyone needs to do this and we need to get it done fast. We don't have time to, to do the real detailed stuff that would be the best practice. We just meet, need the practice that works good enough. You know what I mean? So, listen, from a police academy perspective, that's that's the same shit yeah, right there. Yeah, you, you said it. Hundred percent. You know, it's the same shit. You know, just get them the basics. You know, just as long as it's good enough, and you know, they they meet the state criteria, and then out the door. Tell me something. Did you um, train martial arts dur- during your time at the SEALs, or you picked it up after? How did that work? So in high school, or or I, I'm a little guy, right? <clears throat> I went through the SEAL training at a, like a hundred and. 45 to 155 pounds and um you know i was a small dude so getting ready to go into high school my brother enrolled me into this guy who had a a fight gym in his basement and at the time he told me i was going to a fight club and i'm expecting to do like bare knuckle boxing all this crazy stuff you know by the way he explained it and what it turned out to be it was it was a thai boxing class that just happened to be at a guy's house because he didn't have a studio (laughs) You know, right. but I'm, I'm ready for, you know, a fight club kind of scenario. And, and I did, he didn't know what it was called. And it just it was Thai boxing. So for years, for five years, I was Thai boxing before I went into the Navy. And um, I was really passionate about Muay Thai. I, I loved it. I still love it. Badass, yeah. badass. But, uh, but that was my foundation coming into coming into the SEALs. And then through that, we um, we did other, you know, fight systems. And I and I was intrigued. I was kind of disappointed by the lack of combatives that they focused on in the military. And I wanted more. Were they still focusing on Dieter's uh, At the time, method? yeah, at the time at the we time. were learning uh, Dwayne Dieter's uh, close quarters defense. And there's right. still a lot of things that I've taken away from the close quarter defense um, that I still think is very practical. A lot of like the weapon strikes. And then we've I've modified it over the years to make it fit sure. my shooting style. And I've... Um, you know, fast forward to currently, I work with a group called NACA, and it's a fight system out of Serbia. 
and it's very aggressive, very simple. But we've taken a lot of the the weapon strikes and from our combat mobility system, and integrating it with the Nauka system. Um, you know, there's a lot that we can do to upgrade our strikes and our clinches um, with whatever weapon we have. But a lot of times, a lot of times people are like, okay, you watch movies and stuff, and people run out of ammo, and they're just like, well, man, I go, what do I do with this? And they just throw the gun down, you know. But sure. people see that, and subliminally, they're like. Okay, when I run out of ammo, my gun is useless. And I'm like, if someone was attacking you and you had a hammer in your hand, would you think the hammer right, is useless? Sure. Okay, well, mm -hmm. if I run out of ammo with my gun or if I get a jam in a close proximity conflict, like someone's trying to rob me at the ATM machine and I go to, you know, uh, reach, reach my gun out and they grab the gun and I do that first shot and the gun doesn't cycle. Instead of me trying to do a tap rack bang at that point, I can now use the gun as a fighting tool and to do, uh, you know, as bludgeoning or to, if I'm getting in a grappling scenario, I can use the gun to make the grappling way more painful by pulling the metal edges of the, of the firearm into their, into soft tissue spots or nervous system spots. Totally. You know, just like I would, if I had a knife in my hand or if I had, you totally. know, uh, yep. any other improvised weapon, a bottle, I don't know, it doesn't matter. But so that's, that's been, you know, the process of that, of just trying to develop, a really good combative system um, that goes hand in hand with what we're doing with the firearms and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that way we're not we're not rethinking or if my gun goes dry or I've run into any type of situation to where my first thing is I go, man, I need to transition weapons when I don't have any other weapons to transition to. You know what I mean? I just use that and, and uh, you know, there's there's no delay. We just go, continue to go right into fight mode with whatever weapon we have, because I'm the weapon, that's a tool. And going back to the very totally. first thing we were talking about with, um, you know, with the use of the firearm, you know, the firearms, again, the, the projectile portion is a luxury. So typically when you have a student that comes in, I mean, are, are you teaching them a combative oriented system where it's, you know, hands, then it's weapons or, or how do you structure that? The reality of the way it should go, it should go health, you know, like diet, mobility, strength training, combatives, shooting. But the but the reality is no one no one wants to do all that. Right. They want to do shooting. So our shooting style, we basically reverse engineer it. Our whole shooting program, uh, based off our combat mobility system and uh, the knock of fighting and the different things we teach, the the way we set the shooter up is with the understanding that this gun is going your hands are going to be in a position that you're fighting from the gun is going to be used to fight with if i have the luxury to get my shot off in time by extending my arms out all the way or extending them out into a position to where i can actually shoot i usually don't lock my arms out because then it restricts my mobility for fighting but um unless the target's at a long distance then i can extend my arms all the way out but um but the the whole shooting platform um, from our body position, the way we move and everything like that is geared around, I'm in a fight first, the projectile is the capability that I have at this time, but, but I'm fighting first, and then we build, we reverse engineer off of that, and then we reverse engineer into the combatives, and then they can do their strength training and all that stuff on their own, because they're, they don't need to come to me um, for that necessarily. Um <clears throat> So, but yeah, so as you whole, build these warriors, shooting, so as you build yep. these warriors, basically you're kind of reverse engineering this, right? You're basically, you know, going from shooting platform 
down to a combative platform and then having them deal with the fitness portion where, you know, that's kind of outside the box for, for you. So, all right, that's pretty interesting, man. I like that. I tried to do it the other way and it was too slow of a process. People want the final result now. It's a very, like, people want immediate gratification. So they right, want to right. come shoot. You know what I mean? They want to come shoot and it's like, okay, cool, let's shoot. And then once sure. we have them on the range, we find all the gaps and all the holes in their shooting ability. Once we start looking at shooting from a combative standpoint versus a speed shooting, sport shooting, um, long distance kind of thing. Once we go, we start pressure testing some of these uh, drills where right, right. we're working in 360 degree muzzle discipline. Um, the target's moving to 360. The the clients are getting, you know, working from the ground. Like maybe maybe the first thing that happened was you got punched in the head like the knockout game, right, where people are getting sucker punched and getting leveled. Maybe your drill starts from, you know, and we're not punching everyone in the head on the range or whatever, <laughs> right. but I'm just saying like we don't know where our fight position is going to start from. So the first thing if I get thrown on the ground and someone's stomping on my head, you know, the first thing I need to do is stop getting stomped on the head. Because if I'm reaching my hands down to my belt line while someone's stomping on my head, you know what I mean? I'm going to get, I, there's a potential that I can get knocked out unconscious or killed before sure. I even get to my gun. So, yep. so some of these things of that we start to pressure test in theory and in um, practical application and depending on the client and their age and all that stuff, we're not taking you know, dudes, wives and throwing them on the ground and stomping on their head and stuff like that. But, but we start to showcase some of this and then the light bulbs go off and they go, Oh man, standing there racing the beeper or the buzzer all the time with my hands, you know, uh, just above my waistline or right in front of me isn't necessarily how it's always going to happen. And when I go to draw from my holster, I'm not always going to have my feet planted in a solid position. I may be running backwards. I may be getting knocked on the ground. I may be rolling around. So, so from there, it starts to set off the light bulb to then people go, okay, yeah, I understand totally. why I need to totally. incorporate combatives. And, and, and then we basically reverse engineer it. Yep. I mean, the, the, the reality is that no matter, I mean, you can train a good solid combat stands, a good shooting platform all day long. But the reality is that when the shit hits the fan, chances are that you're not going to be shooting from that. And, uh, you know, one thing that I teach constantly is as long as you're seeking to get to that base, to that platform, it's always a good thing because you're stabilizing yourself. You're stabilizing yeah. that balance. So, OK, so I want to get into this is pretty, pretty interesting. I like this shit. Um, I want to get into the uh, how you brought into, you know, dogs into this whole training element. So actually, one of the clients I had, one of my clients I was training his wife for, for how to use the revolver and all that stuff. And um, and I was giving him some lessons, too. And uh, he had a Dutch Shepherd. And we're standing out in his yard. And he's a roofer. And he's got a ladder that goes up to, like, the second, second two-and-a-half-story high ladder. And he's like, I'm like, dude, what kind of dog is that? I've never seen a Dutch Shepherd before. It's a brindle. It kind of looks like a Malinois. Yeah, you know, I'm, but it's I'm brindle for, for yeah. people who are not familiar with the dog. Mm -hmm. Beautiful dog. It was like 90 pounds, really intimidating looking. And um, he's like, oh, yeah, I want to see something cool. I'm like, yeah, I love cool things. So he's like, Quinn, that's the dog's name. He's like, climb. And the dog climbs up the ladder onto the second story roof. And then he's like, watch this. Quinn, go, go, go. Hup. And the dog runs across the roof and jumps up on top <laughs> of the chimney. And I'm like, dude, that's nuts. 
how the hell do you get the dog down? He's like, watch this. And he calls the dog. The dog climbs back down the ladder. I'm like, that is crazy. I've never seen a dog work like that. He's like, you ever in a bike suit? I'm like, no. He's like, you want to? I'm like, yeah. So the next thing you know, I've been standing out there in the field in this big puffy suit and just getting hammered by all these dogs. And awesome. then I started appreciating the the capability of the dog. And I'm like, sure. man, this is awesome. This adds a whole other line of defense, especially when you have a, a personal protection dog and you can train it up as a service dog as well. And you're moving in a in an environment. Maybe you're moving in a city that doesn't allow guns or you're going into a place that doesn't allow guns. And you can have your, your protection dog and your service dog with you. You know, it's just a force multiplier. If you're at the house or whatever, it buys you. It's one more layer of defense between you and uh, and the attacker. And then, No doubt. No yeah, doubt. and then we just started working with the dogs, you know, seeing what they were doing with veterans and, and different people who've survived, uh, you know, really bad situations and how the dog has helped heal them and, and the way we can work with that individual where a counselor may might not be able to because they shut down and cross their arms, where we have the ability now to work with these people who have, um, you know, they're overcoming certain trauma in their life. But when we focus on the dog, they now open up because I'm not personally attacking them. I'm like, hey, look, the dog's doing this, this, and this because here is why. And if you want to fix that, we need to address this. And now we're addressing it because we want a reaction from the dog. I'm not addressing it with them because I'm telling you how screwed up you are, if that makes sense. So it's um sure it makes it's sense. a very cool platform and that's going into like how we work with Homefront Canine to work with veterans and work with these families. Um, it's just a very cool outlet and it provides us a unique opportunity to really work with these uh, with these families you know, through the canine. So that's, that's been a really cool process and a really cool experience. Um, and a huge value add to what we're doing. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Dutch shepherds are very, very, you know, definitely have a monster prey, you know, a, a, they have that drive. I love that. I've seen some of the NVBK, uh, yep. training and, and it's very, very cool shit, man. No doubt about it. Now, um, talk to me a little bit about the mindset that you learned, as a Navy SEAL and how you have brought that to the table to teach, you know, your courses. Yeah. So one of the, one of the big things is having, having that attitude that you continue to fight no matter what, you know what I mean? And, um, and it's not always about whether you win or not, you win by continuing to fight. You know what I mean? If you watch for some of the people here who are younger, they might not remember this, but you watch that movie, Rudy, right? And that football oh, yeah, movie. I love that and, movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and Rudy wasn't the best football player on the team. Rudy was the one who had, you know, probably one of the strongest hearts on the team. Not that the other guys didn't have a strong heart, but Rudy was being challenged with something that he sucked at, but he was passionate about, and he continued to fight no matter what. Um, now, the SEALs have actually gone and recruited a lot of like super athletes and people who are, you know, great at running Ironman competitions and uh, collegiate athletes and this. And what we talk about is it's always it's it's a different experience when you're competing in something that you're good at. The true right. question is, how do you handle the adversity and how do you handle the disappointment of loss and all that kind of stuff? When you do, when you're doing something, you're challenged with something that you're not good at. Because the reality is, most of us, the struggles that we're going to face in our life, 
are in the things that we're not good at, the things that we can't control or we didn't see coming, you know? So then sure. how do we actually handle that kind of stress? How do we handle that disappointment? And do we keep our chin up? Do we stay focused? Do we look to continue to win? Do we continue to strategize? Okay, this didn't work, but I'm going to find a way to make it work kind of thing. And what happens is we build up a false sense of security in competing and staying in our comfort zone and staying in an area that we're, that we're good and it makes us feel good. And we want to stay there because we get recognition because we're awesome in this field. But if we haven't been challenged, if we haven't been tested and we haven't been faced with loss, then we can't really know um, what our true personality is, is capable of or where we're really at. And we see this with fighters. When a fighter is just kicking the crap out of everyone and just on the rise and just winning, 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 and then they lose. Do they come back from that and and make corrections and come out of that as a huge winner? Or do they go, you know what, all my half my fans are telling me I'm an idiot now and this and that, and I just walk away with my head down and take that loss? Because you learn more about yourself when you lose, in my opinion, oh, yeah. than you do when you win. No doubt. No Winning's doubt. expected. I should win. If I train right, if I do everything right, I should win. Sure. But yeah, when I don't no win, I'm surprised. I'm like, what the hell happened? I should win. Why didn't I win? Now I need to reset and go, well, what did I do wrong? How do I fix this? What did they do better than I did to allow them to have an advantage over me? And this could be in business. This could be in fighting. This could be in relationships. You know, where am I dropping the ball and where can I improve? You know, and um, and having that attitude that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to get disappointed. I understand failure. Failure is part of the process. Um, but failure is really where I have that opportunity. Not that we always want to lose or we want to fail all the time. But there's there is a lot of opportunity to really grow as an individual during the time of loss. Like that's where your true character really starts to come out. Oh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I mean, it's, you know, you're going to get stronger. You're going to get faster. You're going to learn and become wiser through failure without putting yourself out there and, you know, not failing in life. You're really in the end, you know, you're not going to get stronger. I mean, developing a mindset, you got to have to fail. You know, that's the bottom line, whether it be in, you know, in combatives, in life, in business, whatever it might be, you're going to have to fail. And those guys that never failed, quote unquote, all right, those guys are not successful in anything that they do. There's no doubt about it in my mind. All right, let's get into a little bit here. Um, and I want to kind of dig deep in when was a time that you really had to use your mindset, right? You really had to overcome and you had to persevere. There's been a lot of times. I mean, there's been a lot of times. One of the biggest, one of the biggest letdowns for me was honestly the. Um, I I was in the SEAL teams and I was doing the mission. We were on deployment, and I threw uh, two big blood clots in my brachial vein in between my collarbone and my first rib. And I have a ninety—I have a ninety-six percent blockage in that in that uh, that artery or the main vein coming back out of my arm. And long story short, they had to do a bunch of surgeries, and and they had to remove the—they cut through my armpit, took my first rib out, 
um, left him with nerve damage. They weren't able to fix the blood clot, this and that. So long story short, because they weren't able to fix the clot and because of the nerve damage, the Navy wouldn't sign off on my jump and dive physical. I was no longer fit for full duty to be a Navy SEAL. And essentially my time in the Navy ended and I got pushed out. So that's what I was saying in the very beginning where like I came out of the Navy and I was like, dude, what do I do for work? I wasn't expecting to get out of the military. I got you. Um, So that time, that point in time in my life was very challenging because what I had done and what a lot of people do, especially athletes, is I had built up, I had built up an identity based on. I was a Navy SEAL, right? And and everything I did was geared toward all the things I was training and practicing, all the work that right. I was doing was all geared to yep. doing this job. And my I had built up this identity in that job. And it took me some time to uh, to transition. And this was, it was like, dude, my identity's gone. You take a college football player and let's say, you know, you have a, a high school football player and they've been playing Pop Warner then they've been doing, you know, football. They choose the college that they're going to go to or university based on, hey, knock it off. Sorry, I got these dogs in the background making these noises. <laughs> but um, so they start choosing what university they're going to go to based on the football team. You know, not, nothing sure, after sure. football. Everything's based on football. Then what happens, they get an injury, you know, fourth year of college where they're play, expecting to be a professional athlete. And yep. now they go into the workforce and they go to talk to people, and football's been their life. And they go to talk yep. to people, and they're like, oh, dude, yeah, I played for this university. And they're like, oh, that's cool. And then right, right. like, it's like a 10-second, like, that's cool for 10 seconds. Then people don't care. You know what I mean? So you totally. get out of yep. the military, you're like, yeah, you know, I did this and that. And a lot of people are like, oh, man, that's awesome. Thank you for your service. But the reality is a lot of it just goes right over a lot of people's shoulders. Or if you don't tell them or whatever, then a lot of times it's just like, dude, you're just like everyone else. You know, get in line. You know, no one cares. And um, you had you had built all this this identity up in it. And it's very hard for a lot of veterans coming coming back or for law enforcement taking off the uniform sure, for sure. an athlete. Yep. So there was, a, there was a transition time. And that was a big a big challenge time for me personally to where I had to start to realize that, you know what, the Navy didn't make me. There was a job that I was qualified to do, but the Navy didn't make me. The whole process of becoming a SEAL, I started to look at it from an outside perspective. I'm like, you know what? All these guys were going to quit before they showed up or they were going to make it before they showed up. All the Navy provided was a filter system. And all they did was they filtered people out. They didn't make people. The the Navy didn't make me have the drive that I have. They didn't make me, you know, be the, have the passion that I have or whatever, all they did was identify whose levels weren't high enough for that particular job and started to, uh, you know, slide them out of the program. And when I started to realize that, that's when I started to realize, you know what, if I could be a SEAL, I could be a successful business owner. You know what, if I could do that, then I can succeed in these other areas. If I was able to make it through this and this, you know, on this operation, there's no reason why I can't figure out how to get my finances right and and approach that as the mission. Like the mission is how do I, you know, do this with my finances? How do I do this with my relationship? And if I could win in this other area, there's no reason why that I can't do it because I'm a winner. First and foremost, the Navy didn't make me that. The, ma- the Navy gave me an opportunity to show it, you know, so that's, that's how I've, but there was a time frame. There was a dark area in there in that transition where, you know, I was pissed off or depressed or whatever. 
and and then I I started to wake up from it and realize again, you know, in that in that time of adversity adversity, like how do you handle it? How do you handle the pressure, the stress, the letdown? And I'm like, you know what? This isn't a letdown. This is just a new chapter in my life. You know? Fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. I mean, you you really stepped back. You went outside the box and you started looking at it from a different perspective, which is which is awesome. So yeah. tell me. Tell me how then you decided, okay, I'm going to do a company here. I'm going to create a company and I'm going to teach here. I mean, you definitely had to change hats, you know, from being a, an operator. Now you're going to be a businessman and you're going to start teaching. It actually, it, it kind of, it, it kind of fell in my lap, honestly. So I, I went to do the personal training stuff and what happened with the personal trainer stuff was at first when I became a personal trainer, it was like, Hey man we're going to do this really hardcore and we're going to do this Navy SEAL workout, you know, cause that's what I was coming out. I was, I was still holding on to that identity. And, and some could say, well, you're still holding on to it cause you're still working in that environment. But my approach is different now. So the, when I was working with those clients, I quickly realized like, is this about me or is this about them? You know, am I doing this because I want to show off and I want them to think I'm cool and they have the most intense, hardcore personal trainer ever, you know, or is right. it, I'm here for them for their for their needs, for their goals, you know, and it's not about me, it's about them. And when I started putting all that focus, uh, very quickly I realized I need to put the focus on the client, not on me. And as putting the focus on the client and what their goals were, their needs were, then the feedback I was getting was that the clients really liked the way that I communicated with them. The clients liked the way that I, that I made them felt about themselves and about their achievements. And that transitioned into me working with a lot of the law enforcement and whatnot. And, you know, I've always, I've always wanted to be in charge of my, of my life and, and be my own boss, my family members and my grandparents, you know, a lot of them are business owners. So I've watched them run companies. I've watched them, you know, uh, do entrepreneurship and things like that. So, um, I, it just comes within our family of watching these people do that. I'm like, I want to do the same thing. I want, I want to control my hours. I want to control my time and make those choices. But, uh, but with doing that, and working with the different police departments and whatnot, they're like, we really like the way that you communicate with our guys. And um, the guys are very receptive to the way that you teach. So it just kind of turned out that um, I, I guess I have a knack or a niche for taking things that used to be very complex or the way they were currently being delivered were very complex for the people to learn. I guess I just have a knack at taking something that's complex and breaking it down in a very simple way that people learn it quicker. And that's, that's just, awesome. That's just based on the feedback that the clients have given me. So I found something that I was good at and I enjoy doing it. You're blessed with a gift, you know, you're, you, you did a teaching gift and you're able to simplify it for other individuals and disseminate that information where they can understand it. That's a gift, man. Yeah. So I, I've been blessed with it and it's been going great. And we've, you know, now been doing this, uh, instructor stuff and coaching stuff now since I got out and, you know, been doing it since 2007. So, you know, for 10, 11 years now, um, yes, what I've been doing full time. Are you guys, you said you're in central, central Florida, right? Yeah. About a year and a half ago, we got a property out here, um, just west of the land. It's in the very bottom tip of the Ocala forest, the Ocala national forest. Okay. And, uh, we have, we have 55 acres here. We just, built our own 850 yard shooting range with a 360 degree tactical shooting area. Love it. We're building a big obstacle course for the dog training. We have actually a family 
two families out here right now that are training with their future service dogs uh, for home front canines. So it's a, it's a great spot. It's absolutely gorgeous. And, um, you know, it's, it's fun to share it with our, with our clients and, and with the different people that we're supporting with the charity. That's awesome, man. All right. So typically what I like to do is, um, every guest, I'm going to, I ask the same question. Okay. And it's a very simple question, but I want you to take your time and think about it and give me your, your own interpretation of what a modern day warrior is. Well, I would say not. This isn't for for other people. I'd say what a modern day warrior is for for me personally, right? My goal in being a modern day warrior is <clears throat> to start bringing back. Um, and I'm speaking, and not, as I say this, I'm not saying this as in judgment of other people. I'm saying this as in judgment of myself. Right. So this is my goal to make myself a modern day warrior. Got it. The first thing and foremost is I have to and this is my take. First and foremost is I have to try to walk a closer walk in Christ. And I didn't use I didn't used to feel like that. I used to be very separated from God, um, maybe judgmental and spiteful. And, and over the years, I've realized I was being stupid. Sure. In my opinion, if you don't believe in God, that's on you. That's I'm my role isn't to convert people. That's that, that's his role. I just this is just my take on it. But in walking, I find that the that the biggest challenge, that the hardest challenge, is doing the right thing many times. It's very easy to to do what feels good or what we want to do. Um, and a lot of times, the reality is, the hardest thing you can do is to just do the right thing. Um, but the most rewarding thing you can do is doing the right thing and having that integrity. So, you know, starting from having a stronger relationship with, with God coming in and trying to constantly build my relationship with my wife. And, you know, on my thing, I get so caught up in my work that a lot of times I, I wind up neglecting my wife because I, when my brain never turns off and, totally. you know, I get you. And I, yeah. So trying to trying to be a better husband and trying to create an atmosphere in my home that um, is positive and stable and functional. And then through that leading by example to the younger generation and to the other people around me that, you know, you can be, you can have a high standard in your home. You can have a high standard with your spouse. You can have a high standard with your God and not be a bitch. Totally. You know what I mean? And in the reality is, I'm the the more I do it and the more these challenges are, the more I feel like a man. You know what I mean? And then Absolutely. through that process of of that I still uh I still train to be effective as a physical warrior, not just a spiritual and emotional warrior, but I still build and work on skill sets that allow me to be the most dangerous man in the room if necessary. Right. But that's only if provoked. The first thing I want to do is to be the one who's who's leading and loving and um, and not that I'm perfect and have succeeded in all these things. But that to me, that's where the, the male warrior, the modern day warrior needs to go. And I, I feel like a lot of times with everything that's happening is many times we're getting pulled very quickly uh, away from that 
And I think there's a lot of old school things that, that we should probably hit the reset button on as we get distracted with technology and distracted with, you know, all these modern day um, simplifications in our life that sometimes we forget about the things that are really important. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, you know, I, I'm a big believer that, you know, the spirituality whether you're a Christian, whatever God you worship, a higher power, whatever it is, you have to infuse that into your life. Um, I'm also a big believer that you got to have a balance of that body, mind, and spirit, because in reality, you know, you can't have one and the other without the other and call yourself a warrior. It's just not going to happen. A warrior-minded individual is prepared basically across the board, and you made a great point. You know, you, you know you're loving, you want to be a good husband. You know, that is crucial and it's not yeah. just about kicking ass it's not just about fucking you know fighting and gunning down and that's what i tell a lot of the guys listen you know being a modern day warrior is a lot deeper than just going out there and shooting or fighting and right you, you want to be able to be diverse and have that balance in your life yeah so i'll, I'll tell you one thing when with with the absence and i don't want to go into a whole nother spinoff thing and 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 drag this this conversation out but here's here's an interesting thing so when you take when you take the spiritual side out right when i didn't have a spiritual side when i when i wasn't following you know god's path for for my life i was always confused and i was angry when things didn't go the way that i wanted them to i didn't understand why and it would sure. make me mad and frustrated the other thing was who's who's my who's guiding my thoughts who's guiding my you know, if if I'm going out and I'm fighting and I'm def- and I'm defending and and you know I'm being a physical warrior, but if I have no spiritual guidance in that, what's there's a very small tipping point from going from a warrior to a murderer. Yes, agree. You know what I mean? And and there was a point when I was when I I on a different topic on a, if we were to talk a spiritual topic, one part of me believes now that my blood clot that didn't kill me actually saved me from tipping the wrong direction. There you go. I actually, I actually have tattoos. I, I haven't got them covered up. I haven't got them taken off cause it's a reminder of where I could go. If I sure. don't have God in my life, uh, if you, if you see on my ankles, I have Satan's hands or demon hands grabbing my ankles from like the ground in my cool. skin it's tattooed like my skin is drying out and cracking because in my life at the time when i was when i was um at, in the military i felt like the negative and the demons and the darkness was just essentially taking over my soul and taking over my body and that's where i was mentally when the blood clot happened and right. all this thing happened and i was so pissed off that my time got cut short but so. again without a spiritual guidance i i I found the spiritual side after I got out during that time, during that process of figuring out well, what I'm going to do and accepting where I was in my life and what was happening in my life. But, um, but that's just one of those things that we have to be very careful with. If we don't have spiritual guidance, there's things that play in our lives and there's things that are play spiritually. And if, and if we don't control or we don't tap into and make an educated decision or a, or a very specific decision on what we want to listen to and what we're going to use as for guidance, then the world will. And what the world will do is the world will take us and and lead us in a very destructive, confusing path, as we can see is happening, you know, in our country currently and around the world. You know, and that's not to cast judgment on anyone. That's just from my perspective, from what I experienced. 
and what, what I think I need to do personally to continue to better myself as a man and as a warrior. That's awesome, man. Love it. Love it. Very good stuff there. No doubt about it. I love the way that you speak and you were speaking from the heart. So that's really important. We like to dig deep here and kind of get a real feel uh, for the men that are on this podcast. All right, Rich, let our listeners know where they can reach you. You know, your website, all that good stuff and training courses. It's, it's your time to shine. Awesome. So if you guys want to take part in our um, our physical seminars or jump onto online training modules that we're offering so you can train from home if you can't if you're nowhere around florida you can go to fullspectrumwarrior.us and you can read up on our our program there if you're interested in learning more about our our charity that we do for the for the service dogs that's homefrontk9.org and canine is the letter and number the k9 um and those are the two main websites. If you want to follow me on Instagram, my uh, my handle is at TriFitKB, T-R-I-F-I-T-K-B, as in kettlebell. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's the easiest way you guys can, can find me. And if you have questions, send me an email, hit me up on a uh, messenger on there. And uh, I'm usually pretty good at getting back to people within a couple days, you know, in between our training events. Awesome, man. Awesome. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the links on the show notes uh, so everybody could check your website out and give you a follow over there at Instagram for sure. You got some good stuff. All right, listen, Rich, man, it has been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, you know, wish I had more time because there's a bunch of stuff here that we could talk about. You're, you know, a plethora of knowledge. There's so much more that we can go into, man, but it has been an absolute honor and I want to have you back soon. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. And I appreciate the opportunity to have the the audience. And uh, I thank all the listeners for listening to me babble for an hour. I appreciate it. (laughs) This was awesome, man. This was awesome. All right, Rich. Good luck to you, brother. Stay safe. All right. Thank you, sir. There you have it, guys. A great conversation with Rich Graham. This guy knows his stuff. Absolutely some great philosophies and strategies to put into your tool belt and start using them. Remember, it's all about action here. All right, gentlemen. Give me a follow on Instagram at Man of War with two R's. Also, go grab your free manual at forgingawarrior.com forward slash manual. And of course, of course, leave us a review. It means the world to us. And we're going to continue taking this movement up to that next level because of you. Until next time, your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.